Welcome to the Enlighten Up Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Frolic, and I invite you to cozy up with me each week as I explore all aspects of the spiritual journey, spiritual biohacking, and expanding the mind beyond this reality. Remember that the collective awakening can start by planting one seed. So thanks for being such an amazing audience and sharing these shows with your family and friends. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode and find out what we're discovering today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. Really happy to be back here with you. Hello to everyone in the YouTube live chat. I uh, have one of my favorite returning uh, guests back here on the show. I have Rebecca Rose, who is a multidimensional galactic experiencer working as an energy intuitive seer and channel. As a lifelong abductee, she was taken to work in dark government programs as a child, a path that was facilitated by her father's top secret military clearance. Through abduction and trauma-based mind control, she was used in hybrid experiments, off-world, battle testing, genetic harvest, and as a mind-to-mind interface gathering intel from various extraterrestrial races. She was first sent to the moon, then to Mars, where she was developed into a cyborg cloned and weaponized asset. Her service continued on Planet X, where she was owned by the Draco. Rebecca's strong meditation practice and devotion to spiritual development are what supported the return of her memory and putting the pieces of her life back together. After awakening to her deeper mission, intuitive abilities, and psychic vision, Rebecca also realized she had a vast array of helpers from many different realms assisting her. To this day, she is connected to the benevolent galactic family from other races. Her healing team includes a Nordic husband from Procyon and an indigenous mother and father from a past life. Her integration, memory retrieval, and journey to wellness is ongoing. Through her own experience, she's been given the resources to assist others in recovering from their own anomalous experiences. Hello, Rebecca. So good to have you back here. So, um, Um, Rebecca, let's start off here again. So you had a pretty traumatic childhood uh, that did you have all your memories of, of what had happened? Did like, what were you aware of before the memories? I had fragments. I had fragments and a lot of, uh, like pieces of things, but nothing. And I still, I should say up front as we start, like I am still in the process of getting memories back. That's like a journey that takes a long time, especially when the, the memories are not all of them, but quite of them, many of them are quite traumatic. So yeah, it's, it's a slow process. Um, but okay. to answer your question, it's been, yeah, I, I didn't really start getting things until this past two years and especially 2020 since my father died. I think that's what I was saying when we kind of realized that my audio wasn't coming through because my father served as um, a kind of handler or middleman, you know, between, you know, in a, in a sense, a handmaiden to some of these experiences. So, you know, what happens when an abuser or a handler or a programmer dies, it's safe to remember yeah, so your father's passing away earlier this year is kind of been, um, I guess, like an initiator for you and a catalyst to bring back all of these now that it feels safer. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, I, you've been on the show quite a few times and I've been very vocal on my channel about, you know, I work with you. You're, you're the one person I work with in all of my healing. You do all my Akashic sessions and I trust you implicitly. I've never felt more safe working with anyone than I do with you. And 
Um, okay, so well, hold on a second. One person is saying they hear an echo, but no one's saying they other. Okay, We're, I'm just hoping, Ethan, check to see if you have multiple tabs open because that's what happened to Derek last time. Um, but basically, you know, you are able to access all of this interesting information and your intuitive abilities are super strong. And as we know that children, when they're quite intuitive, have been taken, been known to be taken into these um, MyLab experiments, um, been used. Do you want to kind of just briefly give the audience kind of an understanding of what happened to you as a kid and what it was like with your family? Like, what were the connections there to all yeah, that? Yeah, I, I will try and be brief because so much of the story starts there. Um, what I would say is, well, first, what, corroborating what you said about, you know, kids with psychic gifts, and, and we all have some, some of that when we're kids. I mean, it's our nature as humans, as adults, to have some capacity in the intuitive uh, department. Um, but my, what they also want uh, to take you out for in my lab, a lot of times is there, or for you know, other ETs to abduct you, is they want uh, somebody who can dissociate. And what happened in my early life between my mother and my father and extended family was a lot of very violent abuse, um, sexual abuse, yada, 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 stuff in my mother's bloodline that really created uh, an early mind fracture in me and the great capacity to dissociate. And um, that, that was another kind of red flag or, a, you know, hey, she's going to be great. And I may have contracted for that. You know, I'm going to go in and have all that in the family, my, my natal family, just to begin with, and then I'll be taken more easily. I mean, who knows? But um, that's the initial uh, sort of, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot, a lot of material there um, that describes really what is the profile of somebody who is then in my, not everybody, but you know, tra trauma in early life really predisposes you know you to um, other events later in life that can that can be like this. I'm not saying trauma leads to my lab. Don't mis misread me, <laughs> but but in my case, it primed the pump. Let's say I hope that's that's not very brief, but there we have it. Um, and then with my dad, he, he, before I was born, I mean, he was in the military, in the army with a top secret clearance back in the sixties. And then, um, that continued, he was routed right into, you know, the military industrial complex, um, with the top secret clearance again, before I was born. Um, so he had that my whole, my whole childhood into, you know, me leaving home. He was always working in projects he couldn't speak of and, I mean, never talked about his work and was traveling and doing all kinds of who knows what. Um, so that that's the kind of really quick picture. That's just a little sketch there. And uh, uh, my my godfather was also involved with the my lab experiences. He was working side by side with my father in Top Secret with Lockheed Martin, and um, took me when I was very young. Um, so I don't know how much you want me to go into. Uh, you know, how much do you guys want to hear about those parts or? Yeah, I mean, it's important, I think, to share whatever you're comfortable sharing, because mm -hmm. I know that there was a lot there and I don't know how much. I know you and I have talked about some stuff, but I don't want to yeah. speak yeah. out of turn. Um, yeah. You know, it's all. Oh, I was just going to say it's all up for discussion, because the more we talk about this stuff, 
the more it clears from the collective, the more, you know, one person doing this healing and, and bringing a resolution, you know, taking the things out of the shadows is what helps them liberate the whole time. So I'm always game to talk about whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we talk about you being, um, I guess, taken to an underground base? Was it near Montauk uh, where you were kept in an underground base? I would, uh, I was the Montauk Project. Um, so I was taken by my godfather. Let's talk about my godfather. This is really a rich, rich thread. And it's something I've been um, really working through recently. Um, he, uh, my father basically gave him me, you know, after he'd only known him a little while, I was born and I was basically given to this man. And he, um, when I was four, I think he was active in my life through the time I was about seven, um, took, took me to a, um, a photo shoot, a pretty good old dress up shoot, photo shoot. He used to take me places. And that was a um, child porn shoot. And what happens with the, you know, probably a lot of your audience knows this, um, the child pornography stuff is used as a form of blackmail in the deep state to uh, once you are implied and complicit in a certain crime, they have you, you become a mercenary of said deep state. So <clears throat> from that photo shoot, and I remember leaving the front of my house in his car, waving to my mom, pretty girl photo shoot. And I remember coming back, but the memories in between are pretty twisted and garbled. And then later in life, I was having all these nightmares about, you know, the basement of my house in my childhood being plastered with these Polaroids of me and, you know, child pornography. Anyway, from that, through that experience, I was then taken into a um, covert ops abduction that took me to, um, he was a pilot. He, I think he was blackmailed into uh, trafficking kids. Um, and I ended up in uh, Montauk um, through through him, where where the more formal um, MK Ultra and and like Monarch mind control programming happened within that. Um, a lot of times, people if you hear about the Montauk Project, um, I have heard that only boys were taken into that, and I would say that's not my experience at all. There were both girls and boys there. And I don't know if it changed over the years. This, cause this for me was in the seventies. I was born and 40 years old. And um, that may have shifted from the sixties to seventies until I think it was, you know, went into other operations later um, in the early eighties. <laughs> but um, it, I was, I was taken to an underground. I remember often going to an underground facility, but I don't, you know, you end up underground and you don't know where you are. There's no neon sign that says you are in blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, huh, Montauk is where there was a lot of, um, a lot of trauma-based mind control. I mean, tons of mind, trauma-based mind control and horrible things happening there. And also, you know, what people know of as a, time experiments, which I was used in. So, I mean, there were a lot of kids there and we were expendable. Uh, a lot of us were expendable. They were kind of seeing what, who would be good for what, and you know, are there, there are kids here who can um, later on function in, in, in 
secret space programs or something? Can we send them off the world? But with the, the mind control stuff, I was, um, you know, I guess I could say people are, for people who aren't familiar so much with it is that they want to, again, create a fractured mind. So you are split into multiple parts and um, that's done through trauma and torture. And then you, you're dissociative. You're in a basically frozen state and you have different parts of you. Like if something is ha was happening to me as a child, I was dissociating and going somewhere else to survive. I mean, that's like the cliff notes version of what happens in severe trauma. Um, doesn't even have to be severe trauma. Sometimes that happens in a car accident where you're kind of leaving your body. And like, where am I now? So um, I want to just be clear, like, why are they doing all of these? Why are they doing all these manipulations of the mind? Uh, what's the point of that? Well, yeah, um, to ready you in a way for other uses. That's like the first step is primary mind fracture. And my family life and all of that happening there was already, um, had already really primed the pump. You know, I was already, I was already a messed up little kid by that point. So, so what were you, what was your primary use at Montauk? Like, what were they wanting you for? Yeah, well, the yeah, that's a that's an interesting. Yeah, we'll talk about the the time experiments, but um, what in part they were doing throughout, especially remember this is decades ago. They were perfecting some of you know MK Ultra started in the I want to say fifties and led into other you know began as Project Bluebird. But, but over time, they were, you know, working with the Nazi, you know, the Project Paperclip scientists to, to bring mind control to a, into an elevated technology that then they could, you know, transhumanism agenda um, to, you know, there's a certain faction, at least at that time, and in some ways now in different areas of, of the off-world and on-world arena of controlling humanity. Um, and mind control, whether it's, you know, in a, a formal um, project like what I'm speaking of or in other ways, is a great part of our culture in certain, in a certain subtle capacity. But um, I guess I, we were experimenting on, there were, we were lab rats in some ways, that's what they were using us for. Um, earlier on, I had been, uh, taken to the moon by the greys. That was also facilitated by my father. And I think I was vetted or flagged by the greys because I had psychic capacities. Um, so when I was on, in the, the, the time experiments, um, I should say that I was, I will share a little bit about the, hmm, my experience there was, I was often kept in a cage along with other kids. Um, and this is all underground. They would take us out for, um, uh, I remember going out um, every once in a while, we'd be taken out for a satanic ritual, which when those memories came in, I know we're gonna, we're kind of going around the barn here, but when those memories came in, I couldn't see how they were connected to this. Like why would satanic ritual be introduced here? Again, it's um, exploring different mind control technologies and the, the great distress that a child is being put through when there's that going on. Um, you know, they were um, really, these were experimental times. They were also um, wanting to investigate um, the capacity to 
create different timelines, explore um, things that have passed, happened in the past and change them, um, parallel timelines, parallel dimensions and future probabilities and possibilities is what we were doing um, in the time experiments themselves at, at Montauk. Um, I remember being, well, go, let's see, I'll go, let's see, first to the, yeah, the, creation of these um, hybridized beings there, um, which is with my, when I was kept in, I was kept in isolation too. There's the, they would kind of alternate us with the cages and also the, the like uh, sensory deprivation. So keeping you in the dark with no one there, um, <clears throat> cold, frightened. And then in that way, when anybody came into your isolation, into your cell, um, didn't matter who they were or what they were going to do to you, you would be excited to see them and they would, you would be more compliant because you're so like, you know, little kids, they want their mothers. They want anybody <clears throat> to come and be with them. This is the most, like the worst yeah, thing. You're so deprived. You're so deprived, you're so deprived of any kind of attention or affection or anything, like just anything. 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 I mean, it's so confusing and you just wish you'll die. I wish I would just die. But they would take me from there into, um, whew, well, they created, out of the stress and trauma that were created there from going back and forth to these rituals and other sorts of um, things that they, you know, alternate eye programming where they were flashing like alternate uh, satanic symbols in the left eye and uh, like slaughter and, and things in the right eye at the same time with a strobe, that's sometimes what they would take me and put me, take me out, do that and put me back in, um, a lot of sexual trauma, on and on and on. I can't believe I'm alive because a lot of people there died. A lot of people in Montauk just died. We were thrown away. Um, <clears throat> but I think maybe they find out who's, who's, who they want to really use and who they can develop as an asset and keep those kids. Um, uh, within going back to the cages, they would, they were creating with me something they would do to, to clone, um, they're using my genetics and cloning a part of like almost the, the consciousness or my brain or my, the blueprint of my mind and then creating these hybridized beings that I could then follow out into other dimensions. And one of the ways that they were doing that is, I remember this, it's like an almost, I call it like an elven hybrid that they made using a substance from my adrenochrome, like, like an adrenochrome-like substance that they took from me. What does it do? It gives you longevity. These, this being that they had created using some of my genetics and some of my bodily uh, fluid analogs, um, could go vast distances and travel through uh, space and time to investigate things. And I could kind of track it with my mind because in some sense, my whole, my own, um, I want to say like my mind was in it. I mean, possibly it's, it's that, uh, maybe it was a mental projection, but part of what they seem to be doing was creating hybridized beings. Uh, there's all kinds, it's just like a, a lab that somebody would be delighted to work in and they could divorce themselves from what was happening to the people they were experimenting on. Um, so I could be sent out to kind of track what this being was doing through other, um, yeah, through past, present, future. And the being would, would go and go and go and not need, 
with longevity being like a runner, spy, so to speak. Uh, hard to, don't you feel as you listen to that, you know, it's hard to think about, in my mind, it's hard to, my level of awareness and my 3D linear mind goes, I don't get that at all. It's so crazy. Um, <clears throat> it's so crazy. All of this stuff is so crazy. Every time I'm about to go on air and talk about this stuff, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's a lot. Um, it's so far out. Like It's so far out. It's really far out. Um, yeah. And Montauk, I'm, you know, and Montauk is like, I always talk about it as the Auschwitz of the programs because like I said, most people die. And I'm, I'm definitely doing a lot of recovery of um, lost parts, let's see, um, alters and um, like the girl who experienced these things that first came to me in a lucid, very lucid dream, who I didn't recognize as me at all. She had like glasses and red hair and she was me, but I didn't recognize, you know? So the memories get split off. Um, if the nature of memory with all of this is really interesting and pretty unique. Um, and dissociative uh, capacity to dissociate is a lifesaver in a way because you're going away and it's like some other part of you out there, almost like in third person is experiencing the trauma and what's really going on. So years later, if you start to get your memories back, it feels almost like it's being looked at like a movie in third person. You know, I know I work with clients who this is the case for as well, because it's almost like too much for the nervous system and the mind to, to handle, of course, and the heart. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, if you're not in a place yet of enough healing or self, I want to say not just self-awareness, but a place where you've done some of your own shadow work, yeah. then it can re-traumatize you to start remembering it, like reliving it. Totally, Nicole. And that has happened to me. I mean, that has definitely been part of what I've been, you know, the heavy lifting I've been doing the last couple of months and why people haven't seen me return to my, my own YouTube channel where I have created a series about my experiences. It's like, wow, shit hit the fan around July, August into October, where I started really looking or feeling, remembering things that happened in my, already up close and personal way, like my godfather that I spoke of. So, and it has been almost shocking to my nervous system. And I'm, I'm definitely in uh, doing healing work um, for myself. That is very much needed, you know, of course. But like you said, it's, it's so, um, I had over time, done a lot of shadow work and developed a spiritual practice and had, you know, in most ways, the capacity to hold what's coming through. That said, I mean, this stuff is like, so it's, it's anomalous trauma. I mean, it's, it's stuff that if you went to most therapists and said, Hey, this is what I got going on. I'd be like, you need medication. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I think everyone here who's um, listening is open-minded and um, really wanting to listen because I think even I know there's some people in the audience that are questioning if they've undergone this and the, yeah. what's really helpful for people is to hear other people's experiences to help them piece together some of their oh, own memories. Absolutely. You, one of the things that you're recalling um, and coming out to speak about on your channel is how um, 
Can we talk about the galactic slave trade um, and, and what yeah. that's all about and how were you used in, in that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that goes back. I think I mentioned the moon and we can always go back to more time travel stuff if you want. But yeah, this is this is really interesting as it pertains to, I think, the liberation of our galaxy. Um, the galactic slave trade, I first started, well, learning about through my experiences on the moon, which was a bit of a separate space program, you know, than my experiences on Mars later, but um, that was facilitated again by my father who had brokered a deal with the Greys. Um, he's a Zeta hybrid, had a perceived debt with the Greys. So he used me as payment so they could take me. And I was taken, um, again, when I was pretty small, um, out of night, nighttime sleeping, um, the Greys would come and uh, some insectoid beings and I'd be taken again to the sort of bus stop facility underground um, and then traveling uh, to the moon. And I would be deposited back in, I'm going into slave trade, but I'm just giving a little back, back, backdrop here, being returned to night um, at the same time. But it was more like going out to work, like going to McDonald's, coming home, punch in, punch out, rather than <clears throat> I was taken for 20 years or 30 years like Mars. So I um, was taken to a huge, at this time in the 70s, I think this has been, if not closed down, then completely downscaled in the intervening years, which are many, many years. Um, backside of the moon in the upper left quadrant, if you were looking at it from behind, our moon from behind, toward the center line, uh, a huge facility. Um, I was just working in a little piece of it. Uh, in it enormous, like all kinds of genetic experimentation among a variety of races, not just humans, but all different kinds of bees. Um, it was my piece of this, um, where the only place I ever saw was run by the Greys, the Draco, and um, like Fourth Reich Nazi uh, humans, German nationalists. And I was working as a mind-to-mind -mind interface with a lot of um, enslaved beings they had, in, again, in cages, um, using their genetics to make hybrids and clones. And again, experiments that were, um, some were successful, some failed. If they found something successful, they could, um, they could clone it and use it as a, uh, a trade with other beings. So um, I was, what I did was, I guess I, I liken it to um, taking a screenshot of a being's DNA with my mind. That's what I was basically used for as a relay of information from the beings in captivity there with the, you know, the program honchos. Mostly I was interacting with the Draco. And I had a Draco at one point say to me, here among many other things, we have everything we need to create the perfect humans. So they were experimenting on, you know, with AI kind of stuff, um, again, uh, the transhumanism agenda, and uh, as well as lots of other stuff with ETs. And the Greys were doing their own experiments to um, try and save their race. You know, the Greys are, there's lots of different variety of Grey, um, but so many of them have such genetic uh, default fault because they've been manipulated and tempered with in their genetics. They're trying to you know, this is like the cattle mutilations and why they're so interested in the human um, glands and secretions is, is because they have um, genetic 
anomalies and, and faults in their, their, their own physiology. But uh, I didn't see that whole facility, but I know that it was used as a massive galactic study trade hub. So not just um, you know, human, human hybridized clones, but also extraterrestrials that have been tampered with. And um, the Draco really have gone far with this endeavor. And in, in fact, if we relate it back to human adrenochrome, I would say that the Draco have really gotten wealthy on the currency of human adrenochrome, which is traded off world. Oh, really? It's traded off world? It's not just used as like a youth serum down here? No, it's used down here, but other beings use it too, I believe. And, you know, the Draco are entwined with the elite down here, aren't they? Yeah, but I guess I never... I know. Yeah, okay. I did not expand my awareness into thinking that it would be something that would be sold on the, I guess I know. call it the galactic commercial trade like i don't know black, black market it's a galactic black market yeah wow. because this, i mean it violates all kinds of galactic agreements but you know i mean the draco are very powerful and they've been you know creating an empire out of you know the human race for a long time in some ways that said i would also say not all draco are bad not all xyz race is bad so um, sure, anyway, sure. Okay, hold on a second here. We got to talk about this because this we is talk about that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is something that yeah. actually has been coming up in my own awareness lately, and I've been called to do. I've been called to do a video about this actually, which I'll probably do while I'm in Sedona this week, guys. But let's kind of talk a little bit about it right now because we're on the topic. The DNA of the human skin suit is one of the most coveted technologies. Um, in our galaxy right now <clears throat> and we're so powerful within the skin suit in our body and so many people get lost on the path of ascension and thinking I just want to leave my body behind and I just want to go back to light not realizing that when you can expand your own awareness beyond just 3d 5d 6d 10d whatever d you want to go to all simultaneous multi-dimensional that's why we're multi-dimensional beings we can access multi-dimensions at the same time and how does that work in this skin suit in a sense of activating our ability to be of the highest technology? Do you have any insight into that or are you getting any messages? Yeah, isn't that, I mean, God, it's big and it's rich. That's a great question. Um, I just always feel like we're, we're desirable because we have, we, we start off, I think, largely as with a lot of galactic genetics, like all of us. Um, to some, you know, to greater or lesser degree, I think that's really permeated us. And um, I don't, I have, you know, I don't know the answer to that entirely because I feel like that's a, a point of um, wonderment for myself as well. Like, so why are we so desirable? Because in some ways we're malleable and manipulatable. I mean, we're, we're kind of porous. We're, we're, um, and we've been somewhat cut off from our gifts just through manipulation. Yeah. And from what I understand is that we're programmable, like, but we're also, we're so programmable to the point where we can create yes. so much. So yeah. we're powerful creators. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, yeah. And, and so the, uh, through our own, this is something though, like I, I've gotten some messages. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to do the video because I want to get more clarity on it. I need to tune in more with my guidance. But from what I understand though, is that one of the best kept secrets, even in the spiritual community, is the uh, the 
the misguided information around how important the body is in a sense of don't think you just want to disregard it or discard it uh, in, in a sense of, I just want to be my light body. You know, like we hear that a lot in our community, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that when you can have your awareness and, and then access all of that awareness while still in this skin suit, your technology of how you're able to create and, and access all the different realms and, and all the things like time travel, all these things that we're talking about become so hyper available. And that's what is not wanted is for us to discover this because then like we're super powerful. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. It's, um, body. It's like, we have to keep our, um, yeah, we have to keep our consciousness here and this, because we're here to do this work the, in, in many ways, because I take a broader view of it all, even my own crazy journey with all this is to help liberate the human race into that, you know, ascended co-creative, you know, our full capacity. So, um, mm, yeah, thank you for that. So you um, mentioned that you were, um, okay. So you were kept under control by Draco's or a Draco. No, well with, I was saying that within, you know, who I interface most with on the moon seemed to be the Draco. Um, the Draco themselves. I remember a lot of interactions with them as sort of handlers and controllers. Okay. Uh, where, where, okay. Tell us about planet X. <laughs> what is that? So and where is that? skipping way to the end of the end, the end, many, 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 call them years later. Uh, but in, in effect, you know, the farther off earth you go, there is no time. So uh, the time becomes very slippery. Um, yeah. So the later on, uh, gosh, skipping through, there's a lot of years on Mars where I was created into, um, I was taken there uh, and created into a, a weaponized, basically a cyborg. Um, some people could call it a more of a uh, artificial intelligence was implanted through me, but it's much more technologically advanced than what we would call AI on this planet. Um, so I had a body that was sort of There was like metal parts in it and like high tech like stuff in me um very bizarre i mean okay. that goes really high strange but then from there once they get what they want they can clone you and then sell you to for example the draco um so yeah. okay so let's okay take us through that then so on mars you were kind of cyborged yeah it was mars later on that was a separate a bit of separate from moon i mean i went to mars when i was nine um and i was that's the place i feel like i was there forever and i was never it was much tamer when i talk about montar and the mk ultra and the fracturing that is like a horror show mars was much more um not as horrific by any means but i was i also don't remember all of the things they were doing to me um some of the mantids were uh kind of Part of like this, like, I don't want to say like the surgery team, um, but I was trained in, in different kinds of combat and piloting in, um, you know, what people commonly call a super soldier program um, among, you know, human, yeah, pop culture language, I guess you call it that. Um, but I was, you know, the I was owned by, you know, American conglomerate there um, at a base, base on Mars, 
uh, was just below the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and I was, I was first trained as a mind-to-mind -mind interface again uh, with a, what I would call a killing machine. So um, working within a kind of high-tech, uh, almost like a craft that's sentient, but my mind is interfacing with it. And that, that was my first job there. So I was a little, I was nine, you know, and then um, I was allowed to age. And uh, from that job, um, it's, it's learning to, we're, we're programmed to kill. We're programmed to be weapons of war. And doing that with children is, you know, I thought about that. My very first video on my channel, I thought about that. And that's what, I mean, it pains me so much in a way that it was like, I can't be silent about this. This is, they're weaponizing children. That's like, like me being silent about my experiences being complicit with the agenda. So um, from there, I was then trained um, as a, later on as a pilot. Um, so again, mind-to-mind -mind interface with a, with a craft there. Um, and we were, a lot of times we were just protecting base. Um, and there's a lot to this. I was used as a, I mean, they could, a lot of it was training. They, were, they want to train somebody who can be um, multifaceted and be, you know, there is a ton of energy and money that they, they invest in each asset, children, child becoming a whatever asset leader um, in their experiments and their programs. Um, they're always learning new things, trying new things out. But that's the point at which I was, yeah, again, created into a um, cyborg being part human, part uh, advanced machine. Uh, and then, yeah, we were sometimes patrolling the, the air above the base and um, protecting what was going on there. And then I was in the final stages. This is like ripping through it super fast. I was trained on, um, on land. So as a foot... Uh, not quite a foot soldier. I was always used because of the psychic capacities. Um, so I might be like helping a team to um, see, you know, remote view something that we would need to see the territory of. There'd be some of us out patrolling or something around or learning, you know, what our new equipment could do um, in training and um, just being used to um, be a scout or something because of the psychic abilities and not to say the, the others were not not also um, developed in their psychic capacity yeah. as well um There's... can we just pause there for a second because yeah. so when you were like kind of like a, a foot soldier you were on ground mm -hmm. were you in machinery or were you actually on foot like and and if so what yeah. what was the technology used so that you could breathe or can you just breathe normally on Mars? Like what, what is that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, at that point I was not within a, I was not um, in a mechanized being. I was the being, right? So you work at first with working with a external being, being, and then you're um, augmented to the point where you, you can breathe the air and you have, it's almost like a suit or something. They do a lot of implantation and it's a lot of implants. It's a lot of, mind control and implants and drugging actually to get you where they want you to be. Um, so I had like a, I want to say like, it's almost like part of the body. Like I remember having like one of the things that we could do was vaporize as a form of um, protection or like say there was an opponent 
we would be able to, and it was advancing, we might be able to use the vaporization technology um, to disappear and reappear somewhere else. And these were things that they had in R&D, you know, they were kind of using us to test them and uh, testing different weapons, um, like uh, war. Um, Let's talk about, I'm um, yeah. sorry. Let's talk about that vaporization technology. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how often did you use that? I, I don't, I mean, I, my memories of Mars for having been there for 20 or 30 years are crap. <laughs> They're crappy. I remember I have one very, you know, I bring that up because I have a very clear memory of dying as a clone out there when my vaporization technology failed. Um, and I was being advanced upon, our little group was being advanced upon by a, um, like one of those giant, I believe it was a giant spider. In my memory, it's sort of like a giant sloth because that's easier to kind of deal with. But the head is like low down and it's got, you know, big hairy, you know, arms and stuff. Anyway, it was coming toward us. I think it was just protecting our its territory. And um, those guys disappeared. They split, you know, they're like, oh, they're gone. And equipment failure and i was just like zapped internally by like a i want to say like almost like a scalar uh weapon or directed energy weapon that it had in its like in its uh, consciousness or something and i fell face forward in the sand and i and i've described this emotionally in other um uh interviews like face down in the sand and i didn't know if i was alive or dead my consciousness was alive but my my vehicle was dead you know, it's like, so what happens when you die as a clone to your consciousness? Interesting. Um, yeah, what are you wow. working on right there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's So how does it work? How does it work then? So if your consciousness is still very much alive, your clone body is now dead. Is it just like, is there like some sort of um, master kind of hub that your consciousness is in that is being projected into these being like these bodies, these clones? Like, how does it work? Yeah, that, and that's a great question. Um, what I noticed when I was at, um, in the projects back on land in the, U the U.S. with Montauk was that they were, they would put me in a machine I called the time tunnel torture tube. This is relevant to your question. And they seemed, among other things that they were doing, to be splitting my etheric body from my physical body. And I realized what can be done then is if you take a blueprint of that etheric body, etheric body I will describe as, in my language anyway, is like if my, everything you see here, everything that I am contained in an energy blueprint. Um, keep that, make, you know, keep a, make a copy of it or, you know, um, keep it in stasis somehow, and then build the biology around that, you can make many clones. And I think to answer your question, um, my sense is that eventually that consciousness migrates back to its, you know, sort of source. But I've had a lot of fragments of high strange that I feel like are from cloned experiences. <clears throat> and particularly, you know, like if I was, I was sold to the Draco to get the, you know, on be working on planet x um it gets pretty pretty wild let's say as if i was then slave traded um into off galaxy you know into other worlds other timelines other dimensions it gets like my brain cannot even hold it it just turns to much but, oh wow 
Okay, so um, whoa, there, there, that there's a lot there. There's a lot there. <laughs> wow. There. Okay, okay, hold on a second here. Let's. So you were. So did you? Was this all through a twenty and back, multiple twenty and backs? Like what? This is so I know, and I've question. I've wondered that too. I I know that the Mars and um, Mars is within one one fell swoop, let's say. And I don't know if it's 20 or 30. My sense was it was 30, uh, 30 years almost, because I was, uh, you know, I remember being about 29 when I was um, on foot command there, um, trained in that, that part where I was the most highly developed of all my time on Mars. It's about that age. So with, you know, you figure out it's taken at age nine. And, and again, time, you know, let's give it this, the time is very different off world. Um, the farther you leave Earth's orbit, but I would say you know about thirty years plus or minus. Um, but then the Moon stuff is different. This is not a long way of saying no. This isn't all part of one twenty and back. But it and it's confusing in my mind because I you know I got the small linear framework in many ways, and I'm like oh God I don't get it. Yeah, and you're and you're trying to piece it all together still. Like I'm trying to piece this together. Help me out. It makes my like I said, my brain turns to mush, and I get really tired sometimes. And sometimes the, the links the links are very clear. Um, the links are very clear. So, like with Montauk, I have struggled. I struggled and struggled because I was like, "There's no way I was there." What did they do? Just like take me out, take me back in the plane to the base, and put me back, bring me back to my mother and father's house, like a almost dead and like say, here's your kid back, you know? So I think that must have been, uh, I know there are ETs helping to do like um, body regression at Montauk because they could basically almost kill you and bring you back. But I think that was more like being taken out for a span of time and then brought back and, you know, in, in the manner of like a, a 20 and back, except definitely wasn't 20 back, it was just a, you know, a couple of years there, which, you know, that's the only way I can parse it out because your body is so damaged and broken and not to mention your mind. You know, they fix your body. They can stick you in a med bed and, and bring you back from Mars, but they don't fix your mind. They don't fix what they've done there. That's up to me. So um, did I answer your question? We just went a few places there. Okay, so um, let's go to then to you working on planet x yeah we were headed there yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we, okay what exactly is planet x thank you um it's i call it planet x it's the hypothetical what our science calls uh <laughs> the hypothetical planet nine which is just beyond the kuiper belt so it's way at the edge of our solar system um way at the edge 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 dark and i find it very beautiful like my memories of their are uh, so far um, fairly placid and beautiful. So I was traded, um, like I probably said this to the Draco, and then Planet X was the assignment where they took me. And we were, I was working in the atmosphere um, as a pilot on patrol, you know, but I was, remember, highly weaponized with clone cyborg basically at that point. And I've got my own craft, which is a lot of freedom where nobody's like every, all the, you know, messing with this and that, and all of that is done. And um, I just was out there patrolling and could be in this very advanced craft. I mean, very, very advanced craft compared to what I was piloting on Mars, you know, 
but getting to be alone and on my own out in the atmosphere for my shift and then going back to the like Draco mothership after after my shift out there was over with the you know there are other patrols out there we'd all go back and you know go back into the the larger craft um it's actually relatively peaceful and because it's so far removed from time. Okay. Um, or- what was the planet like? Like, what are your memories of what did it look like? Can you give us any yeah. details? Um, we were far off in the atmosphere. So never landed. I don't have memory of actually landing on the planet. Um, bit huge, 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 huge planet. Um, I remember <laughs> just it being, I remember kind of a blue light uh, surrounding the planet. You know, I don't, almost like a cobalt blue around this just enormous planet and we I mean I like I said I don't have a lot of I couldn't describe the terrain because we were still far out and we were protecting it like Draco assets part of which has to do with galactic slave trade it was another hub on the planet and also this Draco at that time this would have been back in I believe the 1990s uh had control of some kind of a what I can call or would call an energy gateway or portal within the planet itself and I think that they were uh, directing some of the slave traffic through that using it as a gateway for the slave trade okay wow so what were when we talk about this galactic slave trade or are there, are there particular races that you remember that were very highly coveted? Yeah, and that's a great, that is such a great question. Um, I, you know, like I said, for all of my time out there, I feel like some of my memories are shit because I wasn't actually within the center where they were keeping to me and trading them and doing the, the trade bargaining. Um, I was out in the atmosphere removed from that. Uh, so I never got a good look up at who, what is it? Some of it's human hybrids. Some of it's human hybrids spliced with extraterrestrial genes. Um, a lot of, I mean, just really strange anomalies split with AI, split with humans, split with ET and putting it all together um, in different varieties and then cloning it. So it's almost like it's not even one being anymore. Like I wasn't anymore one being. I was, it was me, but I had been very much altered um, and created into a sort of hybrid being. So I wish I could answer that better. And that's something I'm listening yeah, for. Yeah, no, like, I, I mean. I <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Let me ask you this. Is there mm-hmm. anything else that's kind of on this darker side that you really mm-hmm. want to share that you haven't shared yet um, mm-hmm. with the audience before I go into some of the lighter aspects of all of this? Yeah, is there anything? <laughs> yeah is there anything is there anything else that's really standing out that you think is valuable for the audience to know right now yeah i think it's more along the lines of the light things and the healing and um i mean i'm absolutely can take questions about all the dark stuff i mentioned um i would just say you know for me i feel like the bigger picture of this um and it is about the big, bigger picture which is why i haven't lost my mind you know, guides tell me that you can, you know, remember that you came in to experience the earth school. It's about experiencing polarity. And I know I've, I've incarnated to experience the darkest dark from the, the inside the belly of the beast and then to experience light coming in. 
and it, it all it helps us liberate the timeline you know from yeah. all the start well someone in the chat would like to know if um you know Corey good through your experiences no no yeah no. i would think that it seems like uh this goes so vast and so deep that um it's almost like when you meet someone you know we used to have this joke uh, you know, as a Canadian and, and no disrespect to the Americans here, but I remember like when I was younger and travel wasn't as big because the internet wasn't as, as much, but I remember as like a teenager. Okay. So this was like over 20 years ago. Um, this was like 25, almost, yeah, 25 years ago that I remember being down in, I guess it was maybe Virginia beach. And I was talking to some guy on the boardwalk and he's like, Oh, you're from like, Toronto, Canada. Oh, you're from Canada. And he goes, you're you from know? Canada. Do you know Matthew? And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's kind of like that. Like I can see how it gets, it's, it's a vast, you know, I mean, space is so, so huge um, that I can see how things can get lost. Though well, no, no. to that question, I would say, look at the age range. I am 48. How old is Corey Good? How old is Tony Rodriguez? There's a lot of that and the clients I'm seeing, many of them in their late 40s, early 50s. Yes. This is a hot time for this program. That's all I noticed is like, they're really doing stuff in this like late 70s, well, 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah. I don't know about 60s, but yeah, probably. So it's funny that we're all getting our memories about the same, you know, within this time frame. And I think it has, again, to do with the liberation of our timeline. Like, mm -hmm. why has this come up for me so strong in this year of 2020, correlating with COVID and absolute transformation of self and collective? I mean, hmm. well, let's okay, let's talk about this. Because as a result of you being able to recall some of the stuff now, like it's almost like with your father passing and having some of these memories serve as being a safe place for you now to kind of recall some of these past memories that have been suppressed and hidden and, you know, by, by virtue of the program itself. Uh, it's also unlocked your access to your galactic husband, um, Tyrion yeah. on, uh, okay. Can you, do you want to kind of go into how that all kind of came forward? Because yeah, that's kind of yeah. beautiful. It is very beautiful. Um, and, Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> I could feel him around here, yeah, laughing like, oh yeah, huh. Um, okay, so let me let me let's the big jump in here. Um, so when I was being taken uh, to the dark programs, the dark ops um, at night, uh, often I was also being taken up into a galactic confederation ship where I had family. Um, yeah, so in a way, that's, I think, why I was able to remain healthy or healthier, not be completely just like institutionalized after all this. They were protecting most, the most delicate aspect of my being, I believe, so that I could actually come back and be functional and continue the mission, let's say. Um, on that ship was is Tyrion. Um, he introduced me after I made my first video on my channel back in, it was only May. That night I was sitting outside, I was having dinner and looking at the stars and, and um, this guy from Procyon came in and, and I didn't know, I didn't know that where he was from at the time, but he was like this, like big, like Nordic, like 
guy and I, you know, within this sort of ethereal aspect, definitely an ET aspect, you know, shimmery sort of suit and kind of um, diaphanous sort of uh, appearance. And he gave me a little, a little box um, and he, you know, it seemed really familiar with me. And I was like, oh, dude, I don't, I don't know who you are. Wait a minute. And then he left and that went on for some, some nights over the next few weeks. And, and then finally I was in, in meditation, I was deep in meditation. He came in and he bent on his knee and he goes, well, I am your husband. That is what you would say in this language. <laughs> it was like hilarious. I was like, dude, I have a husband. And, and husband is not exactly the word I would use. It's more like, um, there isn't an analog in our 3D language other than maybe husband, but it's sort of different than that. Um, anyway, so that, that, that's kind of, uh, Tiern is around now. Since then we've developed quite a relationship and he is around and he's kind of helping with the healing path and just offering me support on the journey. And, and I'm sometimes taken up into you know the other realms, particularly at night with him and to, to just try to like to, excuse me, to travel and to um, kind of experience other things. And, and they were, you know, when I was on, I was, you know, being taken aboard the, the light craft, um, part of why, let's see, how do I say this? Uh, they were gathering intel about, because think about it, it's a light alliance ship, what are they doing? They're, they're wanting to bring uh, about positive change for the timeline, let's say. And they were very curious about gathering intel from me, which I think this was all planned before I came in. And they could gather information more, you know, um, from me on the inside of it about the galactic slave trade, for example. They could find out what was going on and maybe intercept some of that. So basically you working as a double agent. Yeah, because I was also chipped and I didn't, it broke my heart when I realized this, but I was chipped uh, in my head to then be, um, it's really strange, um, gathering intel that fed in from the, the dark eyes, dark horses, light forces, here we go, polarity. I was being chipped and then the information that I was gathering within the, the light ship, light alliance ship, was being ferried back to a CIA satellite and down Earth. So while I was on, on the light ship, like about their craft and about their technology, largely, uh, their okay. so, yeah, kind of so crazy, but yeah. Yeah, which is obviously disheartening because you don't want to be giving that information away freely, but. Yeah, Taryn said, you know, he said, oh, they never got anything about our deepest assets. Like they couldn't really, that okay. couldn't, you know, I guess protections around that couldn't be really breached. Not with the technology that was available. Well, what's, what's really beautiful about this, and I talk about this with, well, you know, those of you guys who are in my alchemy program, we've been talking about this a lot. Um, but the importance of going into our own shadow work and to heal the, you know, the, the darker aspects of our journeys so far. And of course, your journey of, is very like, is much different than most people have experienced, but it's been much more traumatic. Yeah. But any of us, when we go into our own trauma and we start to heal, what happens is because we go darker, we go deeper, I should say, into the dark, what we do is we unlock more of our light and access to the light. So through that, you've accessed a lot more um, interaction, communication, and ability to, 
to Tyron and, 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 and this um, galactic ship. How like, okay, let's talk about this in the, in the healing aspect and the importance of it is, and how it relates to the current timeline that we're on here with humanity in opening up, you know, there's so many people that are wanting to open up to their own guidance system, to their guides, their star families, and all of that through your own journey of healing. Uh, what has what has been kind of some of the process of the unlocking for you to help those who are going into their own trauma to heal? Yeah. Awesome question. Thank you. Um, because throughout my journey, I've, I've gone through periods of, you know, great, you know, you know, as you can imagine, kind of great dark valleys with this. And I've said, is this really helping my life? You know, is this what I should be doing? It was better when it was locked up and I didn't know anything, but my life is opening up, you know, uh, Absolutely. Every time I get painted into that little mental corner, you know, I realize that I'm reclaiming my power in, in fullness, not like living in this little, little box and being, you know, uh, like, you know, living as a, a little fraction of what it could be, you know, that's what's opening up. And so I really can't, you, you know, you said it well, like if you're going down into those shadows, there's a point to that. And that's what I say to clients who come to me and say, they, they will say, is it, is it really good for me to find out about X, Y, Z? But it's like, yeah, that's, you know what? It's part of your mission. You came into experience. Tyrion would say, you know, remember, this is all part of the earth school assignment. So <laughs> go in by all means. It's going to help your life. It's going, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to be pain-free and easy. If it, you know, that's part of what we have here is, is, um, working with the difficult stuff, but, but it bring, it does. I know I'm belaboring the point. It brings in more light. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's so important because <clears throat> I think one of the things that's really one of the, the biggest deterrents is of course the pain and the trauma reactivation potentially for many, but it's, it's the only pathway to liberation. And we're in a liberation timeline right now. Like that's what we're all working towards. And so in order for us to actually manifest liberation of humanity, we have to go in and liberate ourselves from the trauma that we've experienced uh, in this life and whatever may be attached from past lives that's current in this lifetime that is needed to heal. Yeah, totally. And when we, it's like, it's, it's also um, when we heal ourselves, we're healing our bloodline, like with my work and my in my family i know that's you know it liberates had you know people from that are dead in my family coming back and saying this is helping us um and so the same thing is true with the collective yeah you know, it's liberating all of us and we you know we know that the ripple effect so did your um there's a question diamond portal in the live chat asking did rebecca's memories come in waking time dreams or like how did they come in some of them are like I'm out in the middle of nothing, nowhere. Like maybe I'm out riding my bike and I'm like, what was that? A lot of them, you know, sometimes through lucid dreams, but a lot of times it's when uh, I'm at the end of a pretty long uh, meditation. That's when the mind is still in the subconscious and become available to us and speak. It can also speak in the dream time at night, but it's what because the subconscious is what stores our experiences. Um, that's what we want to tap into with the memory. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's various. Um, sometimes it's just like I said, in the middle of 
usually there's a lead in. I could feel, it's almost like you can feel a storm coming or a, something coming in like for some days, I'm like, oh, I know I'm getting something here. I can, it's kind of electric in the atmosphere here. And I know it's coming foreshadowed. I'm like, dun, dun. no, I want to know, but it's, yeah. I have been on a speedy path with this and it's kind of taking a toll. Like I said, on my nervous system. I, I won't lie about that. I've been kind of, a, you know, holding up trying to them. Would you like, mind sharing with us um, before we, um, close out would you mind sharing with us and like because the healing is so important it's one of the most vital parts of of this entire journey is uh like is maybe what ask can you share with us an aspect of your healing that you went through maybe with was it your nine-year-old self or was and and how you kind of broached that and and got through it yeah, well, I do have, you guys probably know I work with the inner children pretty heavily with myself and other, you know, clients and stuff. And yeah, the, the children come to me. <laughs> so that's, you know, my path as a seer has facilitated a lot of my healing. I would say that, you know, the nine-year-old self has come in and she came in first as a, you know, phone cyborg as a nine-year-old and said she, her face was all crazy and like part metal and part, you know, high-tech this and that and the other and her forearms all, you know, electronic. And she just looked at me and she said, help me. So it's in integrating, whether we want to call them inner children or maybe it's alters, integrating them, which I do on my own. Um, sometimes we might want somebody to help us with that. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with my, I would say just like this is really 3D um, physical body stuff, working with my nervous system and getting out of a lifetime of fight or flight in my parasympathetic nervous system, which has gone into some manner of freeze, particularly over the last few months of working with um, some shocking things that I have really tried to not know about in my birth family. And the stuff with my godfather, you know, it's like been like, oh my God, I feel like I'm out there treading water on the great open sea and, and, and like I keep getting nailed by these waves. But if you're working on your story, it's probably not going to be that much. And I would say um, having uh, people who can support you on the journey. Um, like I live in a place where I'm pretty isolated and I know it's been debilitating because I don't have much human on the ground support. I bet a lot of you have that. And so it won't be as difficult for you. Um, in the, the, I'm working right now um, because trauma is a real deal. Like a lot of times people in, this, in the experiencer community, we talk about the cool craft and the cool beings, and the cool technology. We don't talk about healing and how, we recover our lives from MK Ultra and being kept in cages and mind fractured and taken to satanic rituals. Um, we don't talk about that. We really need to be talking about that as a community because I'm, you know, 48 years old and I can feel my health starting to crack. That's a serious issue and I'm kind of pissed off about it. So I've been, again, um, I've been working with a, a practitioner who's, it's like somatic experiencing in Hakomi. Um, to help me uh, move through like intimacy wounds, not trusting people um, and like recovering um, the capacity to be, feel safe among human beings. Like, I know that's really like raw, but that's part of what happened to me starting from the time I was in my mother's stomach was the people who are supposed to be caring for me are hurting me. So I better be hypervigilant. I better be really careful. And I'm on guard all the time. Now, after a lifetime of that, what happens to your adrenals? They are shot. They're shot. 
your shop, especially if you have no um, helpful social bonds that feel safe to you, that exacerbates the problem for you. So anyway, the, the, what the Hakomi therapists always like to say is that the, 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 the wounds that were created in relationship heal in relationship. So that's where I got to the point where I can't do this particular work of becoming human again um, on my own, but have engaged other help there. And that's been awesome. Um, but working with a nervous system, because I've got, you know, I see clients who are heavily traumatized and um, it's not always just about hitting it with light and, you know, galactic love that can be really useful. It is, but we also, like you said earlier, the physical vessel and the physiology of my being, my, my biology is so also important to how we come through trauma. How can we um, rescue the parts of us that are living in this terrorized state? And, and again, I'm an extreme example. Like you can do this, <laughs> you can do this. I've had, I have tons of help from galactics and my indigenous mother and father who take me back to medicine town and help heal. Um, but it's, it's many faceted, you know, it's, it's God, it's a long journey and I'm gonna be making it a long time. It's a life journey. We're all doing that on, on our own scale. I think, yeah, and I think you brought up a really important point there where when you talked about, you know, doing this, not doing the, this healing journey alone, and doing it in relationship, in some kind of relationship. That doesn't mean intimate partner or anything like that, but no. just relationship in general. Um, I think sometimes on our journey of healing, we get told, well, you, you need to do your work before you can be in relationship. And, and again, that could be any kind of relationship, but ultimately there is an aspect where it's important to do your own work but it's also very important to recognize that we as a human race um, work best when we're with other humans, you know, like we're social beings and we're meant to almost, I don't want to say, the, the I'm going to use the word feed, but that's not the word I want to use. It's almost like there's a nurturing um, network of energy that is exchanged through the human um a relationship that is very helpful to the healing process and sometimes we feel compelled to shut that down like for instance even with your programming I can tell even through this entire interview that part of the programming is preventing you from going into the details and sharing it's like there's this wanting to skim over and 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 almost like because and this is something that I think all of us struggle for I know myself included is we're all trying to find our own value and our own worth here and, 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 and declare that. And oftentimes we feel like who wants to hear from me anyways? Well, my story, like no one wants to hear my story. And there's so much of that that comes through, but the more that we open up in relationship and have that support system, uh, I think the healing is dramatically um, expedited in a sense of moving through things with more ease. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I mean, if we, go back into like attachment theory and what's going on when we're little, even pre-verbal, like we want to touch and we want to, to be like, see each other co-regulating, you know, co-regulating with caregivers and, and being like a, you know, um, yeah, playing, playing and being safe. And more and more I feel with myself, like I, I want to talk about everything because it's my vulnerability is my, greatest strength. I've said that before with people I work with. 
and that listen to me, but right now, like the unmasking that we're talking about has to happen and being like vulnerable, um, whether it's here in the interview, my own series of, of videos, I'm always crying in them or um, like learning for me, like learning to reach out to others rather than withdraw and isolate because that's something, I mean, I know that I have tended to do that over the years as a sort of keeping myself safe and hidden. And that's what all of this is helping to me, helping me to move through that. Um, I don't know if it's gracefully, but it, moving through it. Yeah, and I've had a long, maybe a bigger journey with that than, you know, just given the, the, the sort of brunt of what I've been through. Mm. And maybe like sometimes like when I'm really like, oh my God, the deck is stacked against me, man. <laughs> but it's not, you know, what happened recently is that Tiran, I was just kind of, I didn't even know what I was doing. And I noticed uh, in the etheric, you know, there was a big wolf dog like coming up and licking me and like being real excited to see me. And I was like, oh, like, I don't even like dogs that I'm not a dog person. Oh, that's okay to say. But I just fell in love with this dog. And then the next day I was like, Tiran going, helping you hear, heal your intimacy wounds there on earth because it's such a receivable and safe you know like my therapy dog is here and it's actually him <laughs> so yeah he's with me I, I mean i can feel him right here like at my feet like when i'm in meditation he's either guarding my back or he's just laying down he's got his head in my lap or he's like you know he also has a very um he's part dog and that he's like got that oh, i'm here i'm here i'm so devoted and he's also a wolf, which is, brings a lot of wisdom and guidance and like strength, protective energy. Um, he definitely has that too. So it was interesting. Like, I never know what I'm going to get on this journey. Like these things with, with him coming in as a, as a mate and then as, you know, these other, like my galactic or not my galactic, my indigenous parents coming in from a past life. Those are things I could not have made up as much as I could not have made up this other stuff because it's far too much for my mind to even begin to fathom all the other things I've shared. Um, a lot of the things that show up on my journey that in, in the form of goodness, light, healing um, energies, I, I couldn't, I would never have thought that I, of it, of bringing that in because I don't have a frame of reference for it. Um, like the, my, I just call them mother and father. Like I, they just showed up one night when I was walking in the forest and watershed a couple of years ago. Mom was on my left and he was on my right. They're perfect. I never would have thought of this though. You know? Well, yeah. I think given everything that you've been through and, and what you went through with your biological human parents here, that that would be a very much needed um, partnership at this point in your journey. Oh, totally. Well, and also because I, I live in a, uh, pretty um kind of hard scrabble place on the mexican border and it's not um the most uplifted place i'm trying to get out of here it's been hard to, to kind of get my house on the market and move back to the mountains while COVID is going on but uh, i need to get out of here for my my health uh, physical health mental health emotional so, yeah i mean all that was to say like i've needed the extra little uh team with me right now yeah Oh, well, it's been so nice to have you back on. And I think I will absolutely concur that your vulnerability is absolutely one of your greatest strengths. It's, you know, one of the things that it's allowed me to do uh, 
is really open up and share with you in our sessions when we heal. And it's allowed me to also just through that accessing that vulnerability within myself, then having the courage to share it on my channel and then share it in my relationships here in 3D, not just online. And yeah. it's really yeah. transformative. And I think when the more of us that become vulnerable and use that as our strength, it allows other people to feel safe and then open up. And I think that whole idea of being able to feel safe to finally like reveal and share and open up and get it all out because it's been stuck inside for so long is such an integral part of the journey and so needed right now. And I think that, you know, I, I'm so grateful for that aspect of you and uh, I can't thank you enough. And thank you so much for sharing all of your journey with us. And I know it's going to continue to unravel and more is going to come out. And uh, it's, you know, all of us are very grateful for all of the information that you share. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. I couldn't see the chat feed because I my computer, my PC died yesterday and had to be on my phone tonight. So I can't be on both screens. But thanks, everybody. I know I had lots of folks out there who came and uh, checked in here. So yeah, at least uh, Lucia is saying she loves how Rebecca's glowing. And um, yeah, so they're, they're just they love. Oh, Zephyr saying Rebecca's vulnerability inspired me tonight uh awesome tower and star these are definitely inspiring ladies freaking great thank you rebecca from kathleen so yeah thank you so much um do you want to let our let the audience know uh where they can reach you if they want to work with you on their own healing journey or do you have any events coming up yeah um i don't um have particular like group events or anything coming up but definitely you can book an inner child uh healing sessions or um readings almost like a, uh, an experience or reading find out what's been going on for you that you might be not sure about that you're trying to piece together um different sessions are available on my website and that's uh, coaching too starseed coaching if you want to develop your intuitive gifts and learn with me um it's rebecca rose barfoot um, dot com. And I think, Nicole, did you, you put the link anyway? In the yeah, Lucia, thank you so much for dropping all of the links in the live chat. Of course, for all of you listening on audio, I will leave the links um, in the description below once this gets out into iTunes and Spotify. And I also want to say thank you to Todd for the super chat. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I saw that earlier. We just had Rebecca in like midstream and I didn't want to interrupt her, her information. So thank you, Todd, for that. And thank you to the audience for um, coming in. I'm like happy to announce that, you know, it's been such a journey like with this podcast. And since um, just kind of going on on my own, I haven't I wasn't sure how this would be received, you know, because you start with other people. You don't know if people are going to miss them or like a prefer a certain dynamic, but I'm happy to say that on the audio, I've doubled the numbers in the last six months. So that's been great. So it looks like you guys are enjoying the guests that I'm bringing on and the content that we're putting out. So thank you so much. Um, guys, I love you. Thank you also, Lucia, for dropping the protect the vote um, link in the description. I will also have that for you guys in the show notes. Uh, that is on November the 1st, Sunday afternoon. It starts at 11 a.m. Pacific time, but the actual mass meditation and prayer starts at 1230. But of course, um, there's all a lot going on. It's a four hour event. Laura Eisenhower, David Rodriguez, um, John D'Souza and Sasha Stone are headlining it and they'll be speaking before the meditation. And then I'll be on the spiritual panel with um, David Rodriguez and Laura Eisenhower 
and Ben Chastine from Edge of Wonder will be on a spiritual panel together for about 35 minutes or so. So I hope to see you guys there. Register through the link. It's an, a free online event and it's to help protect the sovereignty of our vote. Uh, so thanks so much. And thank you, Rebecca, for being on the show. It's such so yeah. great to have you on. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks so yeah. much. And guys, we'll be back next week with Mary Ducina. We're going to go into the astrology of what's winding us down for 2020 and what's coming up in 2021. So we'll see you next week. Thank you guys so much. I love you all. Thanks for listening and being such a supportive audience. All video episodes can now be found on my personal YouTube channel, Nicole Frolic. If you would like to further support the show, you can visit my merchandise shop or send any donations to the PayPal link in the description below. Remember, a mind is like a parachute. Unless it's open, it's useless. So keep joining me each week as I continue to expand the mind and explore life beyond this reality.